Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Neo Shabin. This audio series is true crime horror stories that happen to real people. Things that we just can't explain. I always say the creepiest crimes happen in small towns. Maybe it's because it's so many hidden secrets. Who knows? Before we start, we just want to give a very big shout out to our sponsors, Gore Culture, your first stop for all horror-related content, preferred source for latest thrillers, sci-fi, horror films, news, and more. And also, big shout out to MBB Films Productions for giving us a platform. It's evil. Real Alabama cases. Mobile, Alabama. A 39-year-old man was recently sentenced to life in prison for fatally strangling his mother in March 2017 because she spent his father's inheritance. According to the Mobile County District Attorney's Office, Clark Raines strangled his mother, Kay Raines, face to face and buried her in the shallow grave. After committing the crime, Clark used his mother's credit cards and sold her belongings. During the testimony, a neighbor said that the 68-year-old victim was missing and she did not return from the casino and her son began using her credit cards. Police placed a tracking device on the son's car and followed him to an area near Alabama of Bay Minute where authorities found the victim's body. On August 8th, the DA office announced that Clark Raines was ordered to life in prison without the possibility of parole and was also sentenced to 10 years for 13 counts of fraudulent use of a credit card. In a statement the DA office wrote from his arrest throughout trial and sitting in the courtroom today for sentence, Clark Raines showed no remorse for cold and calculated act of murdering his own mother. I don't think life without parole is the appropriate sentence. Rich said Raines had felt entitled his whole life. Not one time did he show any emotion. We truly believe that if Clark Raines were to ever get out, he would commit murder again, she said. Her husband left her that inheritance, and it was hers to rightfully spend. He did not leave it to his only son. He left it to her, and so that she could do whatever she wanted with the money. Story number two, The Dangerous Suspect. Betty Cobbs, 75, was kidnapped from her Alabama home July 4th, 2022. Police are searching for the suspect. 47-year-old Tony Lamar White, said Sheriff Matthew Wade. They're looking into possible links in 2012 and 2013 cases. A 75-year-old woman was kidnapped in East Alabama Monday and later rescued by law enforcement officers who found her bound with duct tape in the closet in an Aniston home. The Calhoun County Sheriff's Office, just before 1.30 p.m., received a 911 call about a woman, Betty Cobb, that was missing. The woman's family members made the call, said Sheriff Matthew Wade. After they searched the house and property, but we were unable to find her. Deputies learned Cobb had been grocery shopping. Some of those purchased groceries were inside her home, and some of her personal items were found in the road. The sheriff called in off-duty deputies and launched a massive search. Investigators obtained video from store Cobbs had visited, which led them to look into several different vehicles. Using the technology and resources of the East Alabama Metro Crime Center, they developed a picture of the suspect vehicle, as well as a license plate number. They also developed 47-year-old Tony Lamar White as a suspect. Calhoun County officers were searching for the kidnapping suspect, Tony Lamar White. The information led investigators several residents in Aniston linked to White in the Aniston area. 
When they arrived at a residence on South Wilmer Street, deputies cleared the residence and found Cobbs bound with duct tape in a closet. Wade said Cobb had been kidnapped and taken to the residence. White was not there when the law enforcement officers arrived. Cobbs was evaluated by EMS on the scene and taken to the hospital for treatment and observation. Authorities said White could be in a silver Chrysler 300 with license plate 11J8702. White and Cobbs did not know each other. The suspect followed the victim home from Walmart. White has multiple warrants and is considered dangerous. Anyone who sees the vehicle of White is asked to call 911 immediately. The Calhoun County Sheriff officers thanked the East Alabama Metro Area Crime Center of Applied Forensics and JSU. White is suspected of raping older women in cases dating back 10 years. In July 2012, he allegedly followed a woman home and attacked her. A similar event allegedly happened in July 2013. Wade said investigators have DNA that links the cases together. In the press conference, Wade said of the kidnapping, this is the stuff horror movies are made from. On the evening of July 5th, the Calhoun County Sheriff Officer announced White was captured in Richmond, Kentucky. Justice was served. Story number three. Former Alabama police officer charged in the death of wife fetus. A former Headland police officer was arrested after police say he choked his wife and now has been charged with killing a fetus. As a result of an ongoing investigation on Thursday, Robert Allen Maddox Jr. of Gordon, Alabama, was charged with one count of murder. It was determined at the time of the assault that the victim was pregnant with their child. During the assault, Maddox is alleged to have intentionally caused the victim to have a miscarriage. On March 29th, a female victim reported to the Dothan Police Department. Police say Maddox's wife reported that the situation escalated to the point she was thrown to the floor and then choked and cutting off her air supply. On March 31st, after an investigation, Dothan police arrested Robert Allen Maddox Jr., 24, of Dothan and charged him with one count of domestic violence strangulation. Maddox was placed on administrative leave, which is typically under the circumstances, and his badge and his gun had been taken. Maddox was released from the Houston County Jail on April 1st after posting a 30,000 bond. At the time of the assault, Maddox's wife was pregnant. During the assault, Mr. Maddox is alleged to have intentionally caused the victim to have a miscarriage, police said in Thursday press release. According to the Protection from Abuse Pension filed by Maddox's wife, Maddox strangled the victim in front of their two young children, ages two and one. She said the assault caused one of her children to be dropped and caused her miscarriage. And she also claimed he pointed an unloaded gun at her and pulled the trigger. I believe he will come close to killing me again in front of our children, she wrote, showing injuries sustained by the victim and numerous text messages from Maddox pleading with her to come back to him, once of which read, I'll kiss your scars daily and remind you you'll never be hit again. We will get you help for your fear of me. Maddox was taken to custody Thursday on a murder charge. His bond is now set to 1.5 million. Ladies, this is a message for you and men. Be careful and also get to know your partner because you never know who's lying next to you. Story number four. 
A 21-year-old man stands accused of fatally shooting his husband, who was 37 years older than him, according to the news release from the St. Clair County Sheriff's Office on Tuesday, May 20th, at approximately 2.37 a.m., deputies and Margaret's Police Department officers responded to a 7365 Old Action Road to report of a possible shooting. Upon arrival, authorities reportedly found the body of a 58-year-old Ralph Phillips, who died of a gunshot wound. The victim was married to Miles Phillips. Phillips was reportedly identified as the suspect and arrested in charge of murder. He remains held in St. Clair County Jail with no bond. Story number five. James Bailey is a liar. Is he a murderer? A mysterious catch of documents could prove that a man serving a life sentence for homicide was framed by corrupt Alabama authorities, if the documents and the man can be believed. Ruth Robison met James Bailey by accident. Robison, a 39-year-old lawyer from Birmingham, Alabama, was trying to schedule a legal visit at Holman Correctional Facility. When Robison spoke to James Bailey by phone ahead of her trip, she quickly established that he was not the one she needed to see. Before she could hang up, the convicted murderer on the other end of the line got her attention. Bailey swore he was serving time for a crime he didn't commit and begged Robison to come to Holman to hear him out. Robison was in a process of making a return in the legal profession after a decade away from the workforce. Reluctantly, she agreed to keep her visit on the books. On January 25, 2016, in a visitation room, Robison met a withered man, roughly her age, dressed in white, prison uniform stamped with the words Alabama Department of Corrections. Bailey recounted his story in the scattered manner of a person who has occurred so many grievances over the years that he doesn't know where to begin when someone finally agrees to listen. He was eager to let me know how his case was the craziest case I'd ever hear about. He kept saying that this is going to be your favorite part and you're going to love this. Bailey had spent most of his adult life behind bars, going to prison for the first time on a burglary charge at 18 and serving roughly a quarter of his 38-year sentence before he was paroled at 26. He went to jail after being accused of operating a methamphetamine lab in his house. While waiting trial on drug charges, Bailey was implicated in 2004 murder of a man named C.J. Hatfield. He eventually received three life sentences, two for meth and one for his role in the murder. Sitting across from Robinson, an attentive woman with blonde hair, the 38-year-old Bailey explained that he had been the victim of corrupt police officers. He wasn't a murderer, Bailey said. He never had a lawyer who could help prove it. Robinson's legal career up to this point had been limited to three years spent doing entry-level work at civil litigation firms. If Bailey was telling the truth, this case represented exactly the sort of miscarriage of justice that would vindicate her recent decision to get back into practicing law after working as a stay-at-home mother most of her 30s. Bailey handed Robertson a copy of his murder trial transcript, which he'd been keeping in his prison cell for years. Robertson took a look at the documents. She made no promises but told Bailey she would look into his case. The report which accused Dothan Law and forces officials of planting drugs on hundreds of innocent black residents and participating in a neo-confederate hate group. James Bailey Robinson's new client was white. Even so, she wanted to go to NAACP event to judge for herself whether law enforcement in Dothan 
was as crooked as Bailey insisted. Robison watched as a series of speakers stood in front of the Dothan Civic Center. I listened to these people and felt like, oh my God, she recalled later. It was then that she discovered a pair of extraordinary documents, photocopy and smelling faintly of stale cigarette smoke. The piece of paper seemed to reveal something shocking, a plot by authorities to charge James Bailey with a crime that he knew he didn't commit. It was about three weeks after Bailey's arrest that would eventually lead him to his murder conviction. The transcript of the statement in Bailey's case first began with him repeating the story he told police shortly after the murder, and then the time of Hatsfield's death. He and Heather Brown had visited his children in Pensacola, Florida, and staying with old friends in the nearby beach town. After an hour in the conversation, the transcript indicates Anderson suggested to Bailey that they should take a short break, and the transcript cuts off. Later at his murder trial, Bailey would testify that a group of law enforcement agents, including Henderson, took him out for a smoke break and took the opportunity to intimidate him and that they would help him with his drug charges. If he agreed to put the gun in somebody's hand in the Hasfield case, Bailey alleged the police told him they would charge him with the murder. The transcript, of course, does not include any of the alleged exchange. Instead, it shows Hendrickson prompting Bailey to confirm that he had not been threatened while the recorder was off. Just take a deep breath, okay? Hendrickson said. Take your time. Bailey then abandons the Florida story. In its place, he provided a new account of what happened on the night of the murder and more in lines with the officer's suspicion that Jason Stuckett helped him commit the crime. In a recent filing, the statement reaffirmed its opposition to granting James Bailey a new trial, arguing for post-conviction relief predicted on possible criminal activity. As of this writing, Ruth Robertson remains James Bailey's lawyer. She still believes that he will be released from prison. The system is flawed, and as you know, and I know, can't always trust the people that are supposed to keep us safe. We'll see you next time on It's Evil, Real Alabama Cases. Stay safe.